Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is Joel Redwanski, the coach. John Cohn, not here. He's actually in a straight jacket in his home somewhere on the south side of the city of Chicago. So it's just going to be me today, just two guys and a mic. The other half a guy is going to be the producer, David Olson, who's always going to be filling in and doing everything I need to make this show as smooth as possible. And to make this show as smooth as possible, we need you, the caller, which is 888-463-6748, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Well, welcome in, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous Monday, Monday morning. And, you know, typically, you know, this wouldn't be such great weather out. But, you know what, when it's January and it's cloudy and it's kind of overcast, but you don't have to wear a winter parka, it's awfully, awfully good. So I will definitely take that on this late January Monday. So welcome in, everybody. Now, there's there's plenty to talk about. Uh, Some stuff that's going to get me a little bit upset, which we're going to talk about later. And if we're... uh, 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 a resident of the city of Chicago, you're going to want to uh, pay attention to what we're going to talk about a little bit later, the serious part of this program. Uh, if you're somebody that does business anywhere, if you're just a, uh, an American or want to know about the, the the political situation here in the United States and uh, the G8 summit that's coming up here in Chicago in May, you're going to want to stick around for that talk because someone who does business in the city of Chicago and basically make all of my money in, in the summer months, I'm extremely worried uh, about something that's going on about this ad busters deal that, that we'll be talking about a little bit later. Now, uh, we are the sports show for the non-sports fans, so we will be talking sports. Uh, and uh, also, later on in the show, we're going to have a, a special segment talking about, you know, a lot of people say the youth of today is so smart with some stuff. They say, well, they're so stupid and other stuff. We're going to find out the strengths of some guys that went through a West Suburban education. i got to tell you something. The Western suburbs are some pretty fine uh, schools out there. We're going to find out how good the Western suburbs high school actually did. We'll see how they perform. One thing I know that I saw somebody perform was the Chicago Bulls yesterday. Uh, not very happy about the the effort. It, it, it's funny. I, I, I hear people saying, hey, Lou Aldang wasn't playing, Joel. It's okay. Well, doesn't mean that people can jog back down the other end of the court. I don't take moral victories. I see people being upset that, oh, the, the Bulls, you know, they barely lost. It's okay. No, no, no. They should have won that game yesterday. And, and But... In the whole long scheme of things, it's more important if they win later on in the season. We're going to talk about about the Bulls. We're also going to talk about the Bears' new signing of uh, Phil Emery as their GM because I'm extremely happy about that. I, I think we actually have a guy that's going to put the Bears in the right direction. And let's face it, there is a lot of work that needs to be done for the Chicago Bears. So we're going to be all over that. And uh, we're also going to be talking – I might as well just uh, start the whole conversation with this right now because – you know, people always say, hey, what did you do this weekend? Well, I had a pretty good weekend. Coach always asked me, and now typically if Coach is going to ask me, what did you do this weekend? This is one of them that he would have an awful lot of fun with, David. So if, if one day that Coach isn't here, this is probably the worst day for him not to be on this program. It's typical, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Typical. Now, uh, a Friday night was pretty good. I go to one of these all-you-can-eat-and-drink uh, events. You know, and uh, I went with my girlfriend and all of her friends and, and their boyfriends. It was... uh extremely uh, multicultural event 
especially if you were either white or Asian. It was, that was a, a little strange thing going on. But I do realize this. If you are in an all-you-can-drink event, just a little bit of advice to everyone, first and foremost, public transportation. I've learned my lesson. I will never, ever drink a driver, get in a car with someone who drinks and drive, or let anybody that I it, like a little bit drink a drive. So that was all taken care of for all of us. But if you really want to take advantage of the money you lay down, you got to tip your waiter. You got to tip your waiter. So many people were complaining, I can't get the waiter over here. I was like, that's why I went out and got a stack of singles. Okay. This guy legitimately, a couple times, he brought me like the wet nap. Okay. He, he took the, he took them. I mean, why don't people tip anymore? What is wrong with people not tipping? I just want to throw that out at the beginning. That's why people weren't getting, but the, but I forget the name of this place. It's called State on Fullerton. It's called like State Bar. It's on Fullerton. No, actually, it was on Webster, excuse me. It was on Webster. But they do this deal for $30, all the beer you can drink and all the appetizers you want all day. And they're like the girly foo-foo ones. So, like, if you're a guy, you can go there and get your beer drinking on. And then the girls can have, you know, drink a couple beers or the, and then have all this foo-foo really high-end uh, appetizers. One of the best deals in the city of Chicago. So I have a good night on Saturday or Friday night, up, up all the way till 4, wake up at 7, and go uh, referee the the football championships here on, on the north side. So that was really good. So when, I didn't miss any bad calls because normally like, what are you blind? And uh, just blind drunk, sir. So luckily that wasn't bad. So when that was done, I'm out in the cold all day, and I'm getting used to this. Now, if anybody was listening to the show on Friday, this is where the story gets good. Sorry, it took so long. Now, uh, this is probably going to be the last time I admit it here because after this video is released, I'm going to have to – uh, take away total association with this year, man. But like I said on Friday, I was, I went down to Soxfest, which was a real good time. And I went dressed as this year, man. And if you're out there, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just if you go to Facebook, look up this year, man, that's the guy I went as. But, uh, the beautiful thing is if, if you actually see this picture, everybody, there's a, I have a, a bandana that I put over my head so you can't see my face. Well, I forgot it. I was like, well, who cares? So I went where everybody could just plan out, see my face. I'm wearing blue tight shirt with a cub emblem in the middle. By the way, this, this year, man, is a cub, uh, mascot or a cub superhero, I like to say. The only, his, his thing that he can do really well is be able to drink 33 rolling rocks in three hours. That's the only, that's his only superpower that the guy can actually do. But I had the red boots, the blue tights, the red tights around, uh, around the midriff. Holding the family jewels in place and the red cape. And what happens is we roll up to the Palmer House where the White Sox Fest is being held. My buddy Idris, who's the executive producer of America's Most Wild Deadbeats, uh, which we're bringing into Fox in like two weeks. David, okay, we're finally, I mean, WB, excuse me, not Fox, WB. Uh, Fox won't have anything to do with us just yet. We have to get even raunchier to get on the Fox. We have to do like strippers and pregnant minorities, all kinds of stuff. Does the WB even exist anymore? Isn't it the CW now? Uh, well, that's the thing. That, okay. That's that's the thing. All right. We're getting back. We're at the lowest end of the totem pole. It's actually a CIU involvement for WB. Ow. Oh, okay, get it. You said ow. That, that was ah. an ow, everyone. <laughs> Not an O. Oh, ow. Okay, that, that pretty much tells you exactly what I'm facing. But at least we're seeing somebody. We're going to actually someone that actually, well, anyways, it's not still, it's low end of the totem pole. Well, Idris is waiting outside the car, and the first thing I do is everybody knows if you're a Cub fan, at the beginning of the year, we all yell, this year is here. Well, since that's my first name, whenever I get out of a cab, I just yell that this year is here. Well, Sox fans are there and they're like, what the heck is going on? 
Well, Idris starts following me around, and as I walk down the Palmer house dressed in blue tights and a cape and red boots, I start talking smack to different Sox fans. Most of them are enjoying it. They're laughing. I'm interviewing a couple as I go in. Some of them are making fun of me. It's good stuff. Well, I walk into the actual Palmer house and walk into the lobby. Now there's hundreds of White Sox fans. Okay? They're all enjoying it now. Now I start talking smack. You got one last year, blah, blah, blah. This is the year we're going to make it. People are having a good time. Little kids are running up to me, like taking pictures with me. Like, you know, it was, it was really good. Walk out and there's like two guys smoking. And then the first white, like two guys all of a sudden want to like fight me over it. You guys never won a world series. We won in 2005. I'm like, how many guys did you get out that year? How many hits did you get? You said we won. You know, I did one of those. I'm like, and I'm worried about this show. So I said that next, you know, these guys are like, get that camera out of my face. And all of a sudden they want to fight. We can't show that part. So we walk away and he just is like, Hey, I got some really good stuff. And while we're outside now of the Palmer house underneath the L, Jerry Reinsdorf walks out of the Palmer house. And I real casually, not trying to alert Reinsdorf that he's about to get mobbed. I'm like, you just, you just start filming, start filming. And next thing I know, I go into Reinsdorf. Hey, Mr. Reinsdorf, I swear to you, everyone, I promise you, I'm not just saying this. Mom, mom, I, I know you, I, I embarrass you a lot. I promise you it started like this. Hey, Mr. Reinsdorf, I'm giving you one last chance to come over to the good side of the city of Chicago. And he looked at me, and I continue to say stuff like that. Hey, we got a better tradition, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't say anything. And he gives me, like, this dirtiest, like, who the hell are you looking? And like his buddy with him is like, look at that freaking blah, 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 goop. So next thing I know, I start going off on Jerry Reinsdorf. I didn't swear. I didn't get into anything like that. I basically went over every bad choice he ever made as an owner in the city of Chicago. And then I said, oh, yeah, and by the way, are you going to feel the major league team this year? The White Sox fans in the area were cracking up. Okay, the two goons had walked in already, so they weren't even bothering me. The the White Sox security, he went back into the Palmer House, so I go in too. Next thing I know, more people are riled up, more people are coming. He just gets the stuff now. Next thing I know, the Palmer House security, I hear them going, he's not doing anything wrong. They like like Reinsdorf went to the Palmer House security, they get this guy out of here. They're like, no, he went to the White Sox security. White Sox, now they had White Sox, they come out of the Sox, which they would not let me, and I was trying to actually, I was in like the, the, the actual, like, ante room, they wouldn't let me actually get into the, you don't have a chicken, get out of here, I mean, like, they wouldn't even let me near the door, well, when I'm now in the, the lounge of the Palmer House, the Palmer House guys won't let me out, well, the Sox, I noticed what's going on, so now the Sox security, like, you gotta get out of here, I'm like, no, I don't. And they, they had nothing to do. So like, I'm getting surrounded by all these White Sox security guys. I started making fun of them at that point. And, and the, then the Palmer House guys grabbed the camera, couldn't have it on. So, uh, we walked back out, had a couple more interviews, but uh, all I know is we got some really funny stuff of people making fun of me and me making fun of the White Sox fans. Good stuff. But I, we left points on the field. We left points out there. We did not get the Jerry Reinsdorf uh, apart. And I, I just wish we had had a look on his face because he, by the way, he's only 5'1". He's, he's tiny, a tiny, tiny man. And, and then, uh, and I did bring, I mean, you're jealous. I, I, the way you're looking at me with the stain is because you could never fit into a suit like that. I was saying stuff like that after. But that's the this year man story. So, uh, it's going to be posted soon. Compelling and rich. It, it will be, it will be posted soon. And, uh, I don't know if I was more embarrassed about it or whatever, but, uh, it's, uh, I'm just disappointed we didn't get the Reinsdorf part, but we're going to get some great stuff. So the little kids coming up and acting like they're going to, like, that's the best stuff. The kids in it involved were the best. So 
Uh, I just figured I want to have a little fun with the Sox Fest. It was definitely worth going out there. People were having a good time out there. It seemed like they were having to really enjoy themselves. So enough with that. 888-463-6748. And uh, I was going to touch on this real, real quick, but uh, over the weekend, a lot of noise has been made about the about the Bears GM position, and I've I've realized in Chicago, if you don't get like this major name, everybody automatically like poo poos the hiring. As a matter of fact, I remember when Tom Thibodeau was hired by the Bulls, and there was a lot of crying after, "Who's Thibodeau? He only knows his defense." Blah, blah, blah. We need somebody that can have a point guard. Tom Thibodeau might be the best coach we've had in the city of Chicago since George Hallis in any sport. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with that, but I, I really like the guy. So, like, when these guys, people I've been seeing on Facebook slamming Phil Emery already and, oh, the guy is no good. All I know is about Phil Emery. Everywhere he's gone, at the level he's been at, he's been extremely successful. He's done a very good job. He was with the Chicago Bears as the director of college scouting when they were drafting players like Brian Urlacher, when people were like, why are you drafting him so high? When they were drafting players like Mike Brown, Charles Tillman, all over the board, Lance Briggs, okay, and I'm talking like like third, fourth, fifth rounds where you're paying guys half a million dollars a year. I know that's a lot of money, but in NFL terms, that's not much. And get production out of them, and that's what you got to do. When he was with Atlanta, he was drafting guys like Roddy White, who when he was drafted, I said he's going to be a bum. I'm not very wrong about wide receivers too often, but he was right about them. He drafted Matt Ryan. He's done a good job there. When he went to Kansas City, he drafted players like Eric Berry, who's the first Pro Bowl player that Kansas City has had since 1989. So when I see people out here, oh, he's coming from the Chiefs, they're a mess. He's been there for two years, and her, his drafts were ridiculous. As a matter of fact, I want to go into this. And I, I, I remind all my big-time uh, football or sports fans out there, as somebody who maybe isn't a fan and needs something like a stat or something to blow somebody away, profootball-reference.com. It has everything. Base, uh, Baseballreference.com, all of them are awesome. But check this out. Last year's draft picks... By the Kansas City Chiefs. First round, Eric Berry. That was pretty good. Second round, Dexter McCluster. There's every team in the NFL wish they had a chance at Dexter McCluster again to get him where he went. Third round pick, Javier Arenas. He's been starting for two years in the NFL. He was a pro bowler this year. That was their third round pick from two years ago. People don't want this guy making the Bears draft picks? Okay. Let me go again. Uh, Fourth round pick, uh, John Asamoah from the University of Illinois. He's going to be a solid player. They got him in the right spot. Fifth round pick, anybody heard of this guy? Tony Moyaki, the best blocking tight end in, in football. Catches about 40 passes a year, good in the red zone. Okay, that's that was their third round pick that year. So they had a bunch of third round picks, so my fault. That was Javier Arenas was yeah, a third round pick also. And then uh, Kendrick Lewis, who has six interceptions so far as a starter. He was a fifth round pick for the Chiefs. That was their draft from two years ago. Last year, they got a bunch of guys. Uh, actually, to be honest with you, very few of them started this year because besides uh, Rodney Hutz, uh, Hudson, he actually started. who was a second-round pick for the Chiefs. So the, 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 the questions are still out about how he drafted last year. But the point of the fact is, perennially, year in, year out, this guy has performed. And quite honestly... The Bears need some very, very good draft picks over the next couple of years because all the talent on this team right now is old. If you start naming the best players on the Chicago Bears, besides Matt Forte and besides Jay Cutler, everybody else will be way up in age. So this team needs an influx of talent, and they need it right now. And they're not too far away from you know, being in the playoffs if they can get uh, a right couple pieces in place. Maybe that piece is a wide receiver like Brandon Marshall. 
don't know if you guys saw, nobody watches the Pro Bowl anymore, but Brandon Marshall definitely auditioning for a big free agent contract yesterday at the Pro Bowl. He was named the, the MVP of the league, I mean, MVP of the game yesterday. Six catches, four touchdowns, 176 yards, and two absolutely ridiculous catches. Uh, Phil Embry, the GM of the Bears, is going to be seeking a new big-time wideout for the Chicago Bears. Maybe it'll be a Brandon Marshall. Maybe it'll be a guy like Dwayne Bowe that uh, that has played with the Chiefs the last couple of years. And then people can say, you know, he was horrible last year. He was good the year before with 15 touchdown catches. He was bad last year. But let's face it, Matt Castle and everybody else that was throwing the ball to him was not very good when Kyle Orton was throwing the ball to him late in the year. He actually uh, started catching some touchdown passes there. So he is, uh, Phil Emery's got a lot of work to do with the Bears, get a receiver, get a tackle, and get young players at every single position. I like the hire, so we'll see what happens with that. 888-463-6748. What's your thoughts on it, uh, uh, David Olson? I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. You know, I was kind of the same way where, you know, Phil Emery, who's this guy? you got to bring a name in. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the guy's record and it speaks for itself. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, anybody anybody can draft, you know, high in the first round and find a quality NFL player. Mm-hmm. The skill guys are the guys that you're finding in the third, fourth, fifth round. That's what separates a good GM from a great GM. And this guy has a capability of doing that. You know, you're absolutely right. If you If you just go in the first round, you or I could sit there and tell whether or not there was a good draft pick or not. You you know what I'm saying? If you're that big enough of a college football fan, you could be like, you know what, that's not a good pick or that's a great pick. When you start talking the fifth and sixth rounds, that's where you've got to find starters. Like every other year, you have to find a starter in the the sixth round if you're going to be good. And this guy has apparently done that. Yeah, and absolutely, and especially if the Bears continue doing their trend where they stockpile the picks in the later rounds, uh-huh. we're going to see how this guy can excel with that. So. Yeah, and that's and that's hopefully what we're, what we're going to get. And what happens is the Bears have a lot of money allocated to, like, uh, to Erlacher, to Peppers. They're going to have to uh, – there's a couple other guys that they have big money to. Forte, they're going to have to pay big money to. So what's going to happen is if they're going to be good soon, they're going to have to get production from a bunch of guys that they're going to be paying a million dollars a year to which is not that much money in the NFL, but that's, and they're going to have to do it exactly that way. So now, now I have to admit, I didn't know who Phil Emery was until before this process started. But honestly, I watch every single draft of the NFL and I, and I'll do stuff like if you look through here, I, I like keep notes of all the NFL players in college football. I, I do that every single year through the bowl season all year long. And every time the Kansas City Chiefs would draft the last two years, I'd be like, this is phenomenal. They're drafting every, they're having a great draft. So when I look back, when I found out Phil Emery was the Chiefs guy, I, that right, I, right away I was excited. And then I found out he had Bears connections and everywhere he's gone, people said he's like the hardest working guy in the building. He makes it a point to be the hardest working guy around. So I'm excited about it. So one thing I was not excited about was the Bulls effort yesterday. Now this is a, a Chicago show. I don't want to go into the too much, you know, bashing the Chicago Bulls or whatnot because we got some really interesting stories to be talking about later. I'm going to uh, bring in a, a couple guys here to get their opinion on it too. But uh, yesterday the Bulls went down to their biggest game of the season so far. And if, if you would have asked me the day before the first game of the year, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who they were playing that next day or any game of the rest of the year. I knew that on, uh, on January, uh, 29th, they were playing the Miami Heat in Miami. I knew that. And so that's, I was really looking forward to this game. Now, the only problem with this game is, yeah, the Bulls were missing Luol Dang, and, and otherwise it was a pretty even matchup, and the Bulls didn't have CJ Watson either, but too many times in this game during the beginning of it, early on, the Bulls were not hustling and lacked effort. They never have lacked effort. Now they're playing their biggest rival on the road, and they're not getting back fast enough on defense. I was a little shocked. 
they came back and they played a lot, uh, a lot harder in the second half. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, they were dribbling the ball off their knee and their foot. It was, it was unbelievable how poorly they played in the, in the fourth quarter. A lot of credit to Heat for forcing that, but a lot of unforced errors yesterday in Chicago Bulls game. A, a disappointing effort by the Bulls all around. So I'll wrap it up. Now, uh, another great thing that happened this weekend. Everybody saw this, but the, uh, the Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal match. Now, I just happened to wake up and start watching this, so I was able to watch the last two sets. My goodness, what a match that was. First time I've watched tennis that had, didn't have anything to do with Martina Hingis since Martina Hingis. To be quite honest with you, I was, I was pretty impressed with that. That was, they were going back and forth. The, the best thing about that is after, uh, uh, Djokovic finishes off Nadal in the, in the fifth set, the longest uh, tennis, the championship tennis match ever. Five hours and 53 minutes long. The longest major final ever. Okay. When it was done, they start, they bring both Djokovic and Nadal out and they start having the people that, oh, I want to thank this guy. So they have the sponsors guys come out. And the first guy that came out talked for like a minute, talked way too long. And, and Chris Fowler, like mentioned, yeah, this, I'm sure the players want to get on with this. Well, the next guy that comes up, now, this is the Australian Open. Well, it was a company from Korea, and it was the Korean spokesman. And he was Korean, and he barely spoke English. And he starts telling, like, wanting to thank everybody, at, and he could, he could barely get it out. Now, what happens is these guys have just played tennis, championship caliber tennis for six hours. I mean, I, I used to play football. After three hours, I could barely stand up after the game. These guys have played championship-level tennis for six hours. I don't even know what they're going through. Well, this guy can barely speak English, and he's trying to fight through the through the, the talk. Well, Djokovic starts getting wobbly, okay? And he almost like has to start going to a knee. And right when this happens, Nadell has, is leaning on the, on the net, okay? And the guy keeps on talking. Finally, Nadell drops to a knee and is about to fall over. So the guys, while this, while this guy continues to talk and can barely speak, which was, it was kind of funny behind him, he doesn't realize that they're running in water and chairs to put Nokovic and uh, Djokovic and and Nadal on. It was uh the guy was totally oblivious. And then when he got done talking, like the whole place erupted in laughter. And then finally, like Djokovic is like, oh, oh, thank you. He finally got to some rest. Without doubt, the lightest moment of the whole weekend. When those guys brought the chairs out, <laughs> if it would have been another thirty seconds, they would have fallen over right on their face. So uh, a phenomenal match on uh, on on Sunday morning. So seventh, oh, 888-463-6748. Two guys in a bike. This is Joel Radwanski, the coach. John Cohen, like we're saying, he is on vacation. David Olson taking care of all the production here. And, uh, now we're going to turn our, uh, our, uh, thoughts to something a little bit more serious. Like I was talking about earlier in the show. Now I do business in the city of Chicago. As a matter of fact, I'm an avid, uh, avid kayaker. And if, if you don't mind, David, I'm going to bring in two of my buddies here. We're just going to know them as, as Danny and Keith. You don't have to know your last names, guys, because to be quite honest with you, you might end up being embarrassed a few times in this particular discussion. <laughs> now, we're going to, we're going to bring you guys in later. We're going to play a little bit, uh, uh, we're going to play a game. I haven't decided what I'm going to call it yet, but I'll come up with that name when we get there. I'm going to ask you guys right. something. There's a very serious situation that is coming up. Uh, in the city of Chicago in May, we're actually hosting the G8 Summit. 
Do you guys know what the G8 summit is? I'm not familiar, no. The, the great eight, the great ec- eight economic powers in the world. Now, David Olson, you probably can name the eight right off the top of your head, and I don't even know if the, the U.S. is even in the eight, but they automatically get the buy, right? They automatically get the play-in game? Yeah, they already yeah. make the uh, yeah. play-in game. Uh, I believe it's Japan. Yeah, that sounds right. Ja- uh, Japan, Great Britain. Yes. France. Um, Germany. Germany. China's is China part of it? That's I think they were complaining the last time that they weren't. Isn't yeah. that what happened? Yeah, I think so. I do. I do. Need, well, I'll, I'll get the list of that. But I, I'll look it up. Okay. Right well, with this with this grade eight, what ends up happening is just basically an economic summit around the world. And if you're like a total optimistic person, you can think, oh well, we're just trying to make sure that we have like great trade and you don't have to worry like you don't have to worry about piracy, all that other stuff. You're, you're thinking about that way, or like if you're more of a a conspiracy theorist or somebody like totally negative, like, oh, they're all coming together, new world order, trying to control the world, trying to keep the rich richer, the poor poor, poor, poor. eliminate the middle class. I mean, it all depends. And, and then there are some people in between that think oh, both of that is going on. It's created for a good reason, but the evil people have taken over. <laughs> some of us sit in the, in the middle of that. Yes, David. It's actually eight plus five. Oh, okay. 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 The main eight are France, the U.S., the United Kingdom, Russia, Germany, Japan, Italy, and Canada. I would have got Italy, and I, Canada kind of surprises me. That does. Because, uh, but then again, their beer and their whiskey is freaking good. <laughs> and 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 they with the escort skiing and 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 extremely drunken blonde girls, right? Exactly. Okay, that's hey exactly. hey that's 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 a G eight. I have no problem and with then that. Then you've got what what are known as the Outreach Five, okay. which are quote unquote developing nations. Okay. Uh, India. Yeah. Okay. India, Mexico, South Africa, Brazil, and China. Hmm. And Brazil definitely is shooting way up the ladder because if you think about where Brazil has come in the last 20 years, this is a, this is a a country that went to all sugar-based fuel. And they were like a third-world country. And ever since then, everything else is cheaper in the country. And now they're moving up and eventually will be in that great eight. And who knows, will be knocked out of there. Probably Italy, because you got to have Brazil or Italy in that top eight, because the girls are very like, similar. Sounds like, like the yeah. expanding eight, you know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, here, here's the thing. So this G8 summit's coming to the the city of Chicago in May of this year. And, you know, sometimes you got to worry about it. Sometimes you don't. But let's face it, when you talk about previous G8 summits, I remember the one in Seattle got really, really bad. Um, there was a couple other ones that uh, throughout, there's always protesters that, that come to this. Uh, well, Adbusters, it's a radical Vancouver-based anti-consumerist uh, magazine uh, created by uh, media outlets launching the Occupy Wall Street campaign. Well, uh, they're calling for 50,000 protest- protesters to occupy the G8 summit in May. And what they want to do is they, they're saying that they want to do it peacefully, is what they're saying. The, the, the quote is this. This is what they're saying, okay? Uh, according to the official statement, this is the official statement, on May 1st, 50,000 people from all over the world will flock to Chicago, set up tents, kitchens, peaceful barricades, and occupy Chicago for a month. With a bit of luck, we'll pull off the biggest multinational occupation of a summit meeting the world has ever seen. Okay? But here's the thing. That sounds all well and good. Okay, they're going to come here, you know, peaceful peaceful protests, civil disobedience. I'm all for that. Henry David Thoreau, Martin Luther King, many of them. Okay? The only problem is that statement insinuates peaceful okay they are basically saying uh, let me find out the, the what they're saying is the the 1968 convention unrest became so legendary what they're talking about the they are actually pulling from the 1968 
Democratic National Convention, where there were riots in the city of Chicago. Uh, the first mayor, Daley, didn't handle that exactly the best way, and Chicago police went a little overboard, okay? And then it got worse, and then it kept uh, getting worse. Well, they're pulling from that particular event to try to draw strength, and have they kind of want something like this to happen now. They said, in the tradition of the Chicago 8, we will go to Chicago and make change. The Chicago 8 were basically, uh, now David Olson, do you know about this story? Cause I, that I can, I'm kinda like, I know the story, like they, I, I forget the, if I get the one guy's name right, who is the leader of it? The, um, do you know the, I would have to look that up. Okay, cause they, but these guys were, they basically, they were prosecuted for starting the riots in or of the national convention in 1968 one of them has an extremely famous name that i that i can't re- recall so i'm just saying it's one thing to say hey we're going to do it peacefully and then there's another thing to be flanning the fanning the flames behind the scenes so hopefully this is a peaceful thing we don't have water hoses out and do you mean the chicago seven you know what they it's so funny that you say that because that's what i thought it was and then they say and you say, the, so you're thinking of abby hoffman abby hoffman okay. yes that was the name i was looking for because they say right here in the tradition of the Chicago 8, uh, the radicals who uh, incited the riots in the 68 uh, convention. So you're, it is the Chicago 7. That's why whoever wrote that was wrong. That's why my head didn't get Abby Hoffman right away. Okay, okay, because they call it the Chicago 8 because they call them the Chicago 7 because there were eight of them, but there were only seven prosecuted. That's why it became the Chicago 7. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. okay I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was an eighth person not prosecuted. So he was the real rich kid with the good lawyer. <laughs> right. Well, he was prosecuted separately. Oh. He was prosecuted, but he wasn't prosecuted as a group like the other seven were. I got so. you. I got you. So, but as a person who is struggling to make ends meet and knowing that the summertime is as a person who is on the Chicago River giving tours via kayak, and I'm going out there today, as a matter of fact, if you want to meet me out there, meet me at Montgomery Ward Montgomery Building, 950 North Larrabee. And we're going on the river today. So uh, if you want to go, meet me at noon. That's what we're doing. If, well, that's what we're doing, it, folks. But so I'm just extremely worried. So they, during the summer months, I make all my money. And if during the month of May, they're going to come here and say it's going to be peaceful, but it ends up turning uh, like a black eye in the city of Chicago. That could really affect my money, considering that half of the people that we give tours to are, are tourists. So if if tourism's down 25 percent. I'll make one-eighth less money. That means I have to – that's like two months of me figuring out what to do. You know what I mean? I'm just freaked out. Well, I mean, there there are always protests surrounding the G8 summit, and they always seem to do a pretty good job of containing it. Yeah, it only got ugly the first couple of years, and then, yeah. then they realized they, yeah, they can't get like, ugly okay, yeah. anymore. I think Chicago is a well-enough-prepared city also to handle anything that comes our way. And and hopefully and hopefully, Rahm Emanuel has learned the lesson of 1968. Absolutely. And, and – so we'll see. Uh, this is going to be a really big thing. All I know is, is this, uh, David Olson, in order, just a, a precaution, I'm getting myself an HD camera and figuring out a way to be uh, to be one of those uh, news for hire guys. So if riots start, I'm going to get myself my old football helmet. I'm running to the riots, and I will be. I, I, that stuff doesn't scare me. As a matter of fact, maybe I'm dumb, but, like, I enjoy chaos. I enjoy, like, that type of stuff. I would like to be around that. And believe it or not, if, if Coach would have paid for it, I've asked Coach to send me to Iraq, and I would go there for a couple months and do stories, in, but he, he never would do it for me. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that because, uh, I don't know, maybe he liked me too much. He didn't just want me cross the cross world. But I, I am a little bit worried about this G8 Summit. So if you're uh, someone in the city of Chicago, that is definitely something uh, to look forward to. Now, and I want to go, and when he talks of, of – like the G8 summit, the the thing that all these particular countries have in common, especially uh, Japan and Germany, uh, is the fact that they have great educations. 
in these countries. All these great economic powers, and in order to become great economic powers, these guys had great educations. Now, there, there was a point when I was growing up where uh, they used to think where the U.S. had one of the best educations in the world. Now, for, typically, the, Japan has always been renowned as having the greatest education around the world. Now, like, there's other countries that ha- are trying to take that away. Now, this is why I bring you two in here, Danny and Keith. We're going to have a little battle between the two. You're going to see which one of you two is smarter, okay? <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you guys some particular questions, Okay. We don't need a buzzer. I just want to raise your hand real quick. Which one does it first? Just simple questions. Who knows what it might be? Yeah. Okay, it could range from a broad range of anything. But I want to show you something. In the United States of America nowadays, you know, we do have different stereotypes. Like young guys like you, suppose you're going to be unbelievable with computers, right? You should know everything I, about a about a computer. I know my fair share. Yes, not so much. Oh yeah, but okay. That's <laughs> I, I'm not going to hammer you with that stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to bore anybody. Okay. But, you know, the, we've taken a bashing for how, like, how much kids know nowadays. And as I say, you guys are in your 20s, so it's, it's a little different. You're married, children, all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start out with a, a, just a simple question. Just a, just a simple question. What is the capital of Illinois? You were up first. Uh, Springfield. That's one for Danny. You got the Springfield question. Ding, 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 ding. That's <laughs> easy enough. That's easy enough. Okay, that's. I really didn't think he would get that one. To be honest, really? With you. No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Okay, let me ask you another one. A little more one. faith, Joe. A little more faith. <laughs> what is the capital of the neighboring state, Wisconsin? You uh, you went up. You went, You got to answer Green the question. Green Bay. Wrong. <laughs> Green Bay. Wrong. Uh, uh, how about you got a, you got Whammy. a free chance? Um, Michigan or, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> your first Madison. Madison. I'm sorry. I was going to say oh, Madison. Oh, that's right. No. Madison, Wisconsin. I was yeah, Madison is it. Madison is it. I'll get that. Okay. So, but we had Michigan first. So, you understand what I'm saying? All right. All right. I was going with the M's, you know. Okay. <laughs> Multiple okay. choice, right? Come yeah. on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who is the Secretary of State of the United States of America? I should know. I should I, know. I, I should know. I, I will just take my hit right there. No guess? No guess? No guess. <laughs> she has really nice calves. Oh, that's that's a huge oh. hit. Come on, guys. She Listen. was the former first lady of the United States of America. Oh, that's right. Um, it's there, but it's just she's extremely important to the the foreign policy of the United States right now. Which is she's and considering what's going on in Egypt, you might want to know what she's doing right now. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Okay, Let's go yeah. there. Okay, they're former first lady, so you guys didn't get that one. Who is the number one ring girl for the UFC? Oh, we just talked about this <laughs> on the way here. <laughs> Oh, that's bad. Okay, well, I wouldn't mind going on a date with her. I could tell you that oh, much, yeah, but you know, but you, can, <laughs> but, but you can picture her, right? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Okay, absolutely. just let everybody know they could picture a ring girl for the UFC, but they couldn't picture the former first lady of the United States of America. So just thought I'd throw in there. So that's that's another one you got wrong there. Okay. I thought I was going to throw an easy one out there. Okay, and and you guys would be able to get that. Okay. Hey, we're one for one. <laughs> Okay, let me let me ask. Okay, what are twenties? What are twenties? Twenties definition. Yeah, definition of a twenty. Yeah, somebody said, "Hey, I I got twenties." What does that What does that mean? Dollars, twenty (laughs) dollar bills. I don't know. Okay, I I didn't know what that means. It has something to do with a car, and I was asking you. Oh, twenty rims, rim size. Okay, all right, there you go. All right. See, I didn't know what I got that meant 20s. Either. Uh, yeah, okay. Because I, I had somebody mean like, yo, dog, man, I got I myself got, some 20s. <laughs> and they're like, dude, I got, you got some 20s. I was like, Next what's the deal? I got 50s <laughs> in my pocket. I didn't have it. Okay. Just wanted to say that it's rims. Now, you guys definitely do know more different stuff than, than I thought I would. Okay. Now, let me start. To, uh, 
Let me try to throw one out here. Something that is a you guys don't seem to be doing too well on the like the political questions. No. You did get Springfield right, which I do I like. How about this one? Who is the current mayor of the city of Chicago? Making our license plates. I've mentioned the name. I've already mentioned the name. Bogoyevich was our old one. Uh, no, he wasn't. Our, um, do the do, last one. <laughs> you don't know the mayor of Chicago right I, now? I do. I, he was the he had something to do with Barack Obama's uh, chief of staff. Yeah. Rahm Emanuel. Another Rahm one. Emanuel. You guys didn't get Rahm either. <laughs> okay, that's that's okay. Okay, uh, could you guys name three people from Wu Tang Clan? Wu Tang Clan, you're you're outdating yourself there. I don't girl. care. Could you name three people from them? Absolutely not. Okay. Could you hey? Could you name three songs from Wu Tang Clan? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's not I, I have. I, I don't kids today. I mean, come on, I'm a white right, guy here's the the thing. And I can name three ask, kids. Ask, okay, give me one, David. Give me the one. RZA, the Jizza, and Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> okay, so, okay. All right, now here's the thing, Joel. Yeah. Ask me how to build a house, and I could walk you through step by step. Ask me uh, how from to a fix frame. a car. Ask okay, me how so to fix the transmission on a car. I could walk you through step by step. Okay, I was gonna so, get. A, I was gonna ask you a carburetor question. Uh, a carburetor. Fire. Yeah. You know what the carburetor looks like? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. What does it look like? Uh, okay. I don't know. You describe it to me. I, I'm. I, it's metal. I, it's metal. It, okay, and it's got screws on the side of it. There you go. Screws. That's about all you need to know. Okay. Is that it's all? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, actually, you guys, I, I, I didn't know what, I don't know what the most, like, hip, like, what's the biggest hip hop band right now? Okay, I, I, I would probably. That's why I had, I thought Wu Tang Clan was in the last five years. It's that's probably not, be Drake, Wiz Khalifa, Kid Cudi. Um, you're talking all your, all your college bands right now. Oh, are, yeah, are really, all the small bands are uh, popular. Uh, yeah, they're everyone's going popular with the mainstream. With uh, YouTube made a stuff. lot of people big. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's I'm gonna to have to go to YouTube later and do that. But I, you guys actually, <laughs> I'm really shocked that you at least you got Springfield right. You got, you got Madison right, which okay. I, I didn't it took really. Like it, it I, came, well, okay, but. besides Michigan, you know. <laughs> okay, what's the capital of Michigan? I uh, couldn't. Uh, Detroit. It's not. <laughs> that wasn't. All right, have you seen a mile? <laughs> that's wrong. Michigan, Detroit. No, it's not Detroit. What is it's, it? It, it, it uh, it's not Grand Rapids. Or it's, oh uh, wait, oh, I'm so wrong. It's not. Yeah, yeah it's uh, not Grand I, Rapids. I want to see if you guys get back on that. Okay, but, now where is Michigan City? That's in Indiana. Correct. Okay. Now, okay. <laughs> now, Lansing is that the capital of Michigan? I, I believe so. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there you okay, go, Joe. Right. There you go, Joe. I, I just wanted to show the state of our of our school system. But you guys did want to talk about that before we we skit you guys out and, and kick Correct. you guys out for the rest of the show. Right. Now, you you had a statement. Now, what is what is the 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 West Suburban Public School System done for Danny? Uh, it helped me out. It prepared me for life. But in my opinion, it should be a little more. You guys should go in more detail. They should get hands on with some kids. You should learn kids learning patterns. Like everybody learns different. Like I messed up. I was too cut it short. And I went back to high school because I realized the importance. Yeah, they say a GED and diploma is equivalent. But in the long run, no, it's not. Because there's a lot of things you can't do with the GED that you can do with the diploma. So it is important. But I think that. Our education system does need to be, uh, I don't know, reprimanded. Tweaked? 
tweet would be a good one. Okay, well then you might want to talk to this young man's mother because your mother is a teacher, right? She is a teacher. I, and, you know, I've been raised by a teacher for, you know, the 20 years of my life. So it, it really has, you know, I've, I've learned the, the good and the bad, both sides with, you know, it's one thing being a student going through the system. It's another that is your job. That is your livelihood. And going in every day, she, she is a uh, resource teacher. And I, I was, I went through resource, you know, um, I, a lot of learning disabilities with being kinesthetic learners, you know, visual uh-huh. learners. Um, and, and I am very much so a visual learner, very hands-on person. I do feel that there were some areas, and, and, and I'm very thankful for being raised in the area that uh-huh. I was because in, in a lot of schools I know, they pretty much just take kids like myself and they throw them into that normal class. And, uh-huh. it, it, and I'm really glad that I did have those outputs to go to. Cool. But at the same time, I believe they really have to stress the importance of it a little earlier on in your life because I don't believe they stress that importance. They really just hold your hand and walk you through it. Mm-hmm. Do, they, do you know what a dangling participle is? I do not. Do you know what a dangleberry is? Uh, it sounds familiar, but okay. no. Does that, that's, that, <laughs> okay. Okay. That, pretty much, that sums it up pretty much okay. in, in general. Yeah. Okay. I do appreciate it, guys. Oh, uh, absolutely. Thank in. you for having us and, on, Joe. And, and, and what's really cool is, uh, seriously, these guys are actually <laughs> coming down and, and kayaking the Chicago River with me this afternoon. That's, that's no joke. It's going to be uh, like uh, 40 degrees, and I'm not kidding. If anybody wants to contact us, because I will, if you want to contact us, 888-463-6748. We're heading on out. It's going to be absolutely it's going phenomenal. To be a blast. Come out and join so us. I appreciate you guys doing that. We're going to take a, a quick problem, break, Joel. and we'll be right back and finish up two guys and a mic. And we're back here on Two Guys and a Mic. This is Joel Radwanski, the coach, John Cohn, on a sabbatical in the straight jacket in his house, having to do all that. And I, I am going to admit, David, that was a good song. That's, that's the first time that song's ever been played here uh, on, on TalkZone.com. What was that one? I have absolutely no idea. I, I, I think culture- no, 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 I no, I get I get all this music off of an indie uh, podcast website uh-huh. where like unknown bands just throw their tunes up there. Okay, that so- that was pretty good actually. So as long as you don't have to pay for it, you'll they'll throw it up there, right? Exactly, exactly. Kind of caught me off guard because Coach hasn't taken a break in about eight months. 
So it's like, God. Ah, yeah, 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 that's uh, that's true. I, I normally um, don't do the shows with two guys that aren't on air, but I just did want to show that the sh- um, the American school system needs tweaking. That's all. And these guys, I mean, I, they pretty much proved it to me right there. They're two guys, good guys, so I, I really like those guys. So, anyways, we're gonna to move on now. Uh, something that really just shocked me that I was going through. Now I read the Drudge Report consistently, and I hate to say that's pretty much where I get all of my news from. I go to the Drudge Report, and then next thing I know, it goes from every single spectrum of the arena. Everything from I end up on like the Huffington Post sometimes. I'm on Fox News sometimes. You name it. I don't know how it is, but the links get through there. So it, it's kind of like it's keeping me up to date with everything that's going around the around the world. And the one thing that the Drudge Report seems to focus on is like if if you're like an end of the world type of person, if you really think like the end is near, I mean you want to be very careful if you're reading this. And if you have like a guy that's or someone that is. uh one of those people that think the world is near. Keep them away from the Drudge Report because ever since I've been reading this, I've been stockpiling as much food as I possibly can. Now that I'm realizing that the food I'm stockpiling isn't going to last and it's not going to be any good. So I'm kind of like in a, in a like, I'm trying to search for what I got to do over the next couple of months. Now, I don't think the world's coming to an end. Now, David, we talk about this a lot. But over the last couple of weeks, I've realized that there's been a lot of discussion over this subject. And I'm not afraid that the world is coming to an end. I don't believe that that's happening. But there's been a lot of stories that fit in with what's talked about in the Bible. There's a lot of stories that talk about what, what happened in the Quran, uh, the Old Testament also. So, And now all this seems to be happening. It seems like it almost is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. What is going on now? The thing I'm worried about is as soon as we have a next earthquake, because we're going to have an earthquake sometime in 2012, we're going to have a volcano. It's going to happen is as soon as something like that happens, there's going to be a um, like a deluge of people that like go to stores, start buying survival kits or anything like that. Now, I, I want to know if there's anybody out there that has actually done this and is actually planning for uh, survival mode, because I'm like kind of doing it like half-assed. And from my understanding, you do it half-assed, you'll last a week instead of one day. And what's the difference if you last a week? So, uh, Do you know people, David, that are actually doing this? Yeah, my best friend is doing it. Now, can, you, can you tell me some of the stuff that he's preparing and going on and doing? Uh, he's got pallets of bottled water, Okay. Uh, freeze-dried food. Okay. Uh, he's putting an extra layer of cinder blocks in his basement. So he's, he's, he's in it for the haul. Okay, the extra layer of cinder blocks, is he, like, putting, uh, like... Lead in, inside the. Th- I'm not sure what he's doing. Now, what is his reason for preparing? Because everybody has different reasons. Like some people, like oh, we're going to hit by an asteroid. Some people are like oh, like it's going to be a nuclear war. Some people, it's the solar flames are going to hit us. What, what's his reason? Well, he's, it? he's it's coming to the end of the Mayan calendar, and he thinks the poles are going to reverse, and it's going to throw the entire weather weather pattern into like chaos for about three or four months. He thinks. Yeah, and that that could possibly happen. See now, the the Mayan calendar, everyone is uh, there's. Five fifty-two hundred-year blocks, which make up twenty-six thousand years, obviously. And every twenty-six thousand years from Earth, you could see the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And it just so happens that the Mayans somehow have this timed out because the, the the calendar started the last time that the, it was in the center of the galaxy, and it ends the next time we're going to see it. So, uh, what's going to end up happening is. Starting in March, we're going to be able to see, well, if you guys look up every single night, you can see Venus and you can see Mars near the bottom of our horizon, especially at the beginning of the night. What's going to happen is a couple months, they won't be at the, the uh, horizon at night. They're going to be in the middle of the day. You're going to be able to see them. 
What's going to happen is they're going to block the sun, okay, at exactly the same time. When that happens, it's just going to be a strange lunar event, and at the same time, we're going to be able to see the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Nothing bad is happening. But people are going to freak out and and assume that because we're in galactic alignment, something bad is going to happen. And and I'm not afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid of what everybody else on this planet is going to do when they are not smart enough to realize that this was everybody's predicted this happened in the last 26,000 years. And the people who predicted it are not saying it's the end of the world. They say it's the rebirth. It's the new beginning of the world, and nothing but great things are going to happen. So I just hope we can make it to that particular time. So. Just throw it out there because this really interests me is these like survival people because to be honest with you, I feel like I kind of want to do it, not for the fear of what's happening, but for fear of everybody else. People scare me. People uh, people around the world scare me. And, folks, I just want to let you know, I should definitely scare you because, trust me, if I'm hungry and have no food, you definitely don't want to be holding a cheeseburger around me if I haven't eaten in a week. I'm, I'm ornery when I get in that situation. And just uh, you know, just uh, put things into perspective. My buddy who's down in the basement did the same thing for Y2K. <laughs> seriously, okay. yes. seriously. And I ended up calling him at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, yeah, it's other side of the world. Nothing's happening. You want? Why don't you come down here and we'll go out? Okay. So that was New Year's 2000. Now, so. was he worried about 2001 then? Because that was the whole new thing. Remember that? Remember there was the same people that worried about Y2K. They were like, really, the zero zero belongs on the other century. So 2001 when it's really going to happen. Uh, it, was, it was just the 2000. Okay, one. it wasn't 2001. It was just 2000. Some of there was so. some of those lunatics that held on for an extra year. They're like, hey, I bought all this freaking water. I might as well just hold out just in case. You know, which you don't, you can't blame them. But you know, you can only have that stuff. Uh, you can only have meat in cans uh, for so long. Oh, so now we're typically a sports show, and I, I get off uh, the track, you know, end up talking about that stuff. Uh, but this, whenever, whenever you're looking at the Drudge Report, when you're looking at all the news that come around, I'm afraid I get, I get a little freaked out nowadays because it always seems like there's so many different prophecies you put on the news. What's going on in Egypt right now is extremely scary. They're not letting certain Americans out of Egypt, you know, and that's going to end up coming to a, a boiling point. And, and right now in Egypt, the Israeli Brotherhood has now basically, if if they have another set of elections, they're going to win everything and will have total control. And so what the thing is, they're like, hey, they're doing the right thing. They're going to instill a, a democratic process. What has happened is in this democratic process, basically a bunch of thugs have come in and make sure that they control the, the voting places and they make sure that their guys get elected. So all this stuff, like I remember last when was it, David? Was it September, uh, October, when the big time uh, stuff happened in Egypt? When the when uh, it was a little bit earlier. Than okay, that. It was, was like it? July or August. Okay, I think. but then after that, a bunch of other the the actual regime started falling. And the great thing was like, oh yeah, all these these tyrants are getting forced out. And the, at the time, a lot of people were saying, you better be careful what what you wish for, because who knows who's going to end up taking control. And and at this point, the people that have taken control. And as the U.S., we, I think we have to do the right thing every once in a while and step out, step back and let people make up their own mind. The, the fear is sometimes when you let that happen in other parts of the world, you have tyrants that take over. But then again, if we put somebody in control, the, that's going to look totally bad. Like, oh, we put this guy in control. They'll never be taken seriously. We're in a very, very difficult situation right now as a country. That's why. The rest of this week, we're going to have a little bit more fluff. We're going to be talking guys like Don Crest, who does, uh, he does a, um, 
a show in the city of Chicago, a, a candlelight dinner mob show that is absolutely phenomenal. We're going to have him on. We're going to have people from MyMVPs.com talking like high school sports and stuff. So this one Monday show, David, I, I, I had to tell you, I just had a kind of vent. I, had, I brought my guys in here because when the, when the world ends, I'm going to be hanging out with my guy Keith. He's going to teach me how to like uh, kill animals, gut them. And, and so if that stuff is going on, I'm gonna, these are the guys that I'm gonna be hanging out with making sure that I'm living. And by the way, my, I, I do have a survivalist guy, a guy by the name of Joe Hogan. He was, uh, he, he doesn't have the food reserves, reserves, okay? But we have this pact. If anything goes down, I immediately go right to his house. He has a cachet, unlike anybody else's, and he has actual other people in the, that is our part. Well, let's just say we all know to go to Hogan's. He's like, he is the captain of everybody in our whole entire neighborhood. The whole entire family follows the guy. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. So if anything goes down, you have to get to my house and we're going to need you over at Hogan's. Is that a deal? So if everybody's listening to two guys in a mic right now, if everything goes down, meet at Hogan's house. All the listeners that if you don't know how to get there, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Let's start there. So now, uh, now I'm gonna, if you don't mind, turn into baseball because I wanted to end on this. Now the uh, the Super Bowl is coming up this week. We're gonna have plenty uh, of talk on 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 the Super Bowl. We're gonna have plenty, especially Thursday, Friday. I don't want to beat it to death, okay? But after going to the Sox Fest, I realized I took a lot of beatings from people, and they were telling me the Cubs are never gonna win the World Series. I took a, I took a beating, so all of a sudden I didn't mind. I thought it was all good, and then I almost got into a fight with two guys, and now I really, really want the Cubs to win the World Series. Just to let you know, there's a Cuban defector that is now in the Dominican Republic. His name is UNICEF, or no, it's spelled like UNICEF, but it's Yisnef Cepetis, but his last name is Cepetis. The guy's six foot three, 265 pounds, and he was timed in the 60 meters at 6.6. 6.6 seconds in the 60 meters is ridiculously fast. Okay? That is ridiculously fast. As a matter of fact, in the world championships yesterday, a 50 meter, the 50 meters was one at 5.5. Five. So 10 more meters and 1.1 seconds faster. The guy is absolutely flying. Well, the Cubs have a chance at this guy. Now, the thing is that they're going to actually have to take one of his other Cuban friends that have defected with him. But I know is this, if the Cubs get this guy, if anybody's out there is a diehard Cub fan, you got to YouTube this guy, C-E-P-E-D-E-S, Cuban defector, Cepetis. This guy puts on 1,200 pounds on the leg press machine, puts on two children, not know if they're his or not, and starts repping it out. This guy's got the biggest butt of any player I've ever seen. And by the way, in the World Baseball Classic, uh, the last time he played, which is the highest level of competition outside of Major League Baseball, he had a 600 batting average and his slugging percentage was over 900. The guy is absolutely phenomenal. But just to let you know, in the Dominican League now that everybody is looking at him, Cubs sent a bunch of scouts down there. They're all they're all excited. I uh, hear the reports from this weekend. Uh, he swung at every single pitch. He's hitting 150, and he's absolutely out of his mind. So uh, the, he's not playing all that great now. But I'm telling you, the Cubs are going to actually give this guy an offer, and it's going to end up being one of the great great signings that the Cubs have ever had. This is going to be the next great thing that the that Chicago has. Uh, the Chicago Cubs have UNICEF Cepetis. So we're going to be talking a lot of sports the rest of the week. Keep on listening and uh, hit us up on Facebook, Two Guys in a Mic. Make sure to like us. And uh, if you want to see something funny, stay tuned. Become friends with this year, man. My boy Idris is going to get the video up, folks. It is definitely worth Checking it out. And so if you become friends, uh, of two guys in a mic and this year, man, would eventually you see it, you will see it. Folks, uh, I don't make a fool. Well, I make a fool out of me a lot of times. I've probably done it on this show for the last hour. But what I did this weekend 
was way, way too much. And I do know this. If my girlfriend was willing to see me after doing that, I got one heck of a catch because I cannot believe I actually did that in public. So uh, check it out this year, man. So thanks a lot for listening. David Olson, you did a phenomenal job. I want to thank my buddies for getting me down here and getting me out on the river. If you guys want to go kayaking, let me know. Uh, thanks for listening to Two Guys in the Mic. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Peace out.